Hello and welcome to the Govern This podcast. This is a political podcast for non-political people where we ask the simple and ignorant questions about our country and government and get them answered. In this episode, I have a chat with Bob Warwick and we talk about his experience managing a provincial campaign um, this last election for a BC Green MLA candidate. And then we also cover uh, what it's like to work with the Greens federally and provincially between elections. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, visit the website at governthis.ca. And also please leave a comment on the site or at our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash governthis. We'd love to hear what you think about the podcast and also any questions or topics that you might want covered and answered. So with that said, I hope you enjoy this little jaunt with Bob Warwick. I mean, they're not dumb questions. They're just, I'm just ignorant about it. I haven't learned anything yet. Welcome, Bob, to the Governance Podcast. How are you today? Uh, good. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Um, so you were the campaign manager for Chris Maxwell, who I had on the podcast. Yeah, that's right. So I want to talk about like your side of things on that campaign. But first, I have a question about, you said to me on one of the, our messages back and forth, you said, I'm more of a politics guy than a government guy. Yeah, that's right. What, what does that mean? Um, what that means is that, so there's running for office and there's holding office. And, you know, holding office is what an MLA or what an MP does. Okay. Uh, and that is governing. You know, that's that's listening to all of your constituents. That's taking in um, all of that feedback and he- and really hearing what needs to be happening and then making uh, making governance decisions based on that. Okay. Um, and then there's politics, which is the process of working to get somebody elected to government. Oh, um, I see. And so I am, uh, I mean, once an MLA gets in the front door, I have nothing to do with that process. Oh, okay. Right. I, uh, I'm the guy who, uh, or I'm one of the guys uh, who works to get, um, get somebody from the point where they say, yeah, I'd like to be a candidate to election day. Okay. Okay. So, so that's why when you were saying that after the elections, you work with the Green Party between elections, but not in government. Yep. Or something. Okay. We'll get into that, but let's just talk <laughs> about your experience with, uh, with Chris's campaign here. Sure. What's it like? Uh, very, very tiring. Yeah. What are the hours? <laughs> just always? Um, Let's see. It depends. So we ran an 11-week campaign, okay. um, which is um, which is not a long campaign. It's not a short campaign. You know, the, the rip period, or at least the, the pre-election rip period, was from April 11th to May 9th. So okay. that's 28 days. So that, that was when the writ is dropped or whatever that yes. thing. So right? the, the writ is dropped is when the election formally commences from a legal standpoint. Right. And that was 11 weeks from then? No, no we had, uh, I had 11 weeks from when I met Chris in a coffee shop. Oh. Uh, until election day. Okay. And uh, that is not an absurdly long time period. Right. Uh, there were um, 
other green campaigns that were going for uh, that started organizing around September. Oh, really? Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a bit longer. Yeah, that's a little bit longer. <laughs> and uh, and then there were also campaigns that you know um, sort of organized and existed for the period of the of the writ drop to election day. Okay, which is really short. Which is a little bit shorter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there were, um, so for example, in, uh, uh, in Victoria Swan Lake, which is, uh, is not the riding we're in right now, but is directly across the water from where we are. Okay. <laughs> um, in Victoria Swan Lake, um, we had, um, both, uh, Chris and, uh, Rob Fleming, who was the NDP incumbent there, had declared, uh, and gotten on the ballot, uh, quite early. Okay. And incumbent for every, anyone who's not listening doesn't know that's just the person that was in office before. Yeah. That's, so they're re- tr- running for re-election, hopefully, is their thing, I guess. Yeah. The the incumbent is is the person who previously held office in that same riding or okay. area. Um, but the, the – uh, there were – I don't want to say the third candidate because there were actually four candidates in the riding. Right. There was also uh, David Constantine who was the Vancouver Island Party candidate. Okay. Uh, but St- Stacey Piercy, the liberal candidate, yeah. uh, she was only nominated uh, just a few days before the writ drop. And so that was you know a little bit of a shorter campaign. Though mm. I, I don't know how long her team had been preparing for that. So they may have also had more prep time there. Okay. Um, so yeah, so we had 11 weeks um, and – uh, so it's hard to talk about early in the campaign versus later in the campaign mm-hmm. because it was kind of all later in the campaign. <laughs> um, but earlier on in the campaign, you know, we were putting in, you know, a few hours every day to to get materials put together and all this sort of stuff. And then we were putting in full weekends. And then, um, say, during the last week of the campaign, I was waking up at about 5.30 in the morning and going to bed around 11.30 midnight. That um, doesn't seem like enough sleep. And sort of working <laughs> the whole time between that. <laughs> Exhausting, I assume? Uh, tiring, <laughs> tiring. I so I bet like right at the beginning there, you had to just get to know Chris. Like yeah. there's all the stuff, the technical, not technical, but office prep of signs or whatever you're going to do yeah there's but then there's just yeah just sitting down with them like who are you yeah uh we actually um when i was approached to manage his campaign i was actually approached uh by the party and asked if i would sit down and have a coffee with him and talk okay. about possibly doing some coordination on his campaign and um so we um we met up one Sunday afternoon um, and sat down in a coffee shop for about, uh, I think it was supposed to be an hour and it ended up being an hour and 45 minutes, um, Mm -hmm. which is a good sign. Yeah. Um, And I brought with me uh, what I lovingly call the list of insulting questions, um, (laughs) which is about uh, the, the 20 questions that I could think of. That were, you know, what are my surprises going to be during this campaign? Are you ready for the level of work required? And of course, the all important. So why are you running? Right. Um, and you know, just because you want to know everything up front. Yeah. Uh, you never want to get. Um, you know, we've seen in, in different elections and in different ridings, uh, surprises come up for uh, campaign teams and for candidates. Um, 
because of something stupid somebody said on Facebook uh-huh. or um, because uh, it turns out that, you know, they held an opinion that you might not have thought that they held. And you just sort of want to address a lot of those things right off the bat and just make sure that, you know, you're uh, you're going where you think you're going. Um, so, yeah. We, yeah, we met for a couple of hours. And by the end of it, I was convinced he was a good man. And we said, uh, yeah, let's do it. Cool. So how many people did you have working with you? I assume that it was mostly volunteers. It was probably. all volunteers. All volunteers. Okay. Um, actually, during Chris's campaign, uh, we did not spend a cent on uh, people. Uh, both Chris and I were also volunteers. Okay. Um, and so the, um, I think the active volunteers list was somewhere around 50 volunteers. Wow. Um, throughout the entire campaign. Um, and then on election day itself, uh, we had 20 or 22 volunteers came in just for election day. Gee. So that, that should give you like that, that's sort of the high watermark of, yeah. of how big the team gets. Yeah. Um, on a daily basis, you're usually dealing with, um, well, I mean, in our campaign, uh, we were dealing with Chris, myself, uh, usually one or two people who were working in the office throughout the day because we always wanted to have somebody to watch the desk and right. and all that. Um, and, you know, on a typical evening, you know, anywhere between two to six uh, canvassers. So uh, that's people who are going out knocking on doors and saying, hi, have you ever considered voting for this guy? Right. Which is like one of the most important things I've learned, right? Um. <laughs> Actually, so I, I sat down with a uh, with a friend of mine who'd managed campaigns previously because yeah. this was my first my first campaign management experience, and um, and I sat down with her and said, "Can you look over my list of what I think the priorities are, and can you tell me where I'm wrong? Yeah. Because I'd really like to learn this before I do it wrong." <laughs> and she looked down at it and she went, "No, you're right. Canvassing is the number one most important thing." And then she kept looking down and she said, and you're right, signs are the number one most important thing. And then she said, and you're right, debates are the number one most important thing. She says, oh. those are your three number one most important thing. <laughs> Wait, okay, that's that makes it difficult. <laughs> well, it uh, canvassing is um, uh, the, how to say it, it's the... If, if you want to engage with voters, which is fundamentally what a campaign is about. Right. Right. Um, because campaigns aren't about making speeches. They're not about, um, they're not about, you know, getting your name on big signs everywhere. They're about going around and talking one on one with voters and hearing what their concerns are and talking about how your vision of the world works with those concerns. Right. And the, um, and, you know, to answer their questions about platform policy and these sorts of things. And, you know, if you just hold events or things like this, what you're going to see is the people who have some level of engagement and commitment yeah. are going to come out to those. But I think the largest debate that we were at was 80 people. And okay. then, I mean, then we had a CFAX debate, which has you know, thousands of listeners, right. but there's no real opportunity for engagement during that sort of thing. Um, we held uh, what we call kitchen table talks. And the biggest one of those had, I 
think it was 12 people at it. Oh, gee. <laughs> so, so really, if you want to go and have conversations, you, you sort of have to show up at the doorstep and yeah. say, hi, I'm this guy. Do you have a minute to talk? Yeah. Yeah. I, it, well, so those three things that are the most important things, kind of like a vehicle, like the engine's the most important, but the wheels are the most important. But if you don't have a steering, steering wheel, wheel, there's really no <laughs> like, point. Yeah. So, but, but none of, like, it won't work properly without anything, right? Yep. So, anyway, okay. Stupid analogy. No. Nope. I like stupid analogies. That's okay. Um, <laughs> there's, uh, I, I actually, I work in technology as my, as my career. And uh, one of the running gags is that any problem can be reduced to a car analogy. Oh, so. yay for me. <laughs> I can go to tech. What do you do in tech? I run a small software company. Oh, okay. So you design software? like uh, I, I run a consulting company that builds mobile applications for various kinds of companies. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Um, and it's your company? Yeah, it's mine, and we've got uh, four of us working four there. Four of us? Cool. Yeah. Well, we won't talk about that. No worries. <laughs> That's a whole that's, another rabbit hole. That's a whole another, yeah, yeah, for sure. So, what was uh, what was the most challenging thing in the campaign? Ooh, um, the there's there's like three the most challenging thing in the campaign, <laughs> um, because uh, number one of the most challenging things in the campaign is actually um, is is getting coverage. And I don't mean that mm. in terms of like media coverage. Okay. I mean that in terms of, um, so uh, you you actually you came into our office uh, because it's right next to where you work. Yeah. Um, and uh, you may have seen on the wall there was a map of Victoria with Victoria Swan Lake outlined in big black marker, and then on the map there were areas that were shaded in green. Oh, okay. And the areas that were shaded in green were actually were places that we had sent either Chris or a team representing Chris to go and knock on all the doors in the area and to go and talk to people. Right. And that was, it's what we call our canvas coverage map. And it's a, it's an at a glance way of saying, well, how much of this area have we actually done? Right. And as you get closer and closer to election day, you start going, we're never going to finish this all. (laughs) Um, But, um, but so, so coverage is a, is a major thing um, because you obviously, you you really you want to go and talk to every single voter you possibly can. Yeah. Um. I mean, heck, you want to talk to the non-voters too if you can. Um. You know. Um. We have lots of great conversations with seventeen-year-olds or with um, uh, people who are newly arrived to Canada and are pl- and are hoping to be citizens one day, right. but aren't right now. Um. So there are there are lots of conversations to be had that aren't just voter conversations. Right. Okay. Um. So you want to you want to reach and talk to as many people as possible. Um, other really big ones, um, for me, uh, as a, from a campaign management perspective, um, you know, I knew how much work it was going to be and I knew the hours and I knew, you know, just sort of, you know, I knew I was going to lose three inches in height doing this, but the, uh, (laughs) but, uh, what I didn't expect was the, um, was the amount of what I'm going to lovingly call helpful feedback from just about everybody that we ever met. Oh, that um, would be difficult. Uh, so that was, for, for for me, that was a challenge. Yeah. Um, because, as I said, I'm used to running my own company and and all that. 
And so, um, listening to, to all of these opinions on, uh, exactly how we should be running things was, uh, was an interesting challenge. Was that often from the volunteer base or from people you talk to campaigning? Everybody, everybody, Uh, our volunteer base was actually pretty good because they're, they're there every day and they're, or they're there, you know, once a week, twice a week. Right. And they're, they're seeing what's going on and they're, they, they, they sort of see the, the background of all the decisions that get made. Okay. We're actually, we're having a potluck next week uh, for the volunteers specifically. And one of the reasons we have that potluck is so that we can say, so what do you think we could have done better outside of the context of its go time? Right. So that we can actually be receptive to it and hear it and really, really work with it for next time. Mm. Um, but yeah, we had people just walking into the office with lists of things they thought we should be doing differently. And you're like, we're just doing our best. We're, <laughs> we're just plugging away here. <laughs> doing the best we absolutely can. And uh, thank you so much for your suggestions. And some of them were really good. Some of them we implemented. Yeah. Um, some of them we sort of had to look at and go, well, that's water under the bridge at this point, And yeah. maybe next time. <laughs> that would be very challenging, I think. Yeah. yeah. Especially since you're, you're just swamped already. Then... Uh, let, let's just say that, um, so one of the things that I do in a typical day is I have an index card on my desk okay, and I jot down the things that I want to get done in the day. And I do this every morning, first thing in the morning, I jot it down. And then as things get added throughout the day, I just add them to the card and anything that doesn't get done that day, the next morning I look at it and I go, well, that doesn't need to happen anymore. Right. Oh. Right. And that for me is what works very well for me. During the election, I took it from being an index card to an eight and a half by eleven sheet of paper, <laughs> and the size of writing didn't change. Oh, geez! I was just going to say about the index card—is that so you can only put so much on it? <laughs> yes. Same with the eight and a half by eleven sheet of paper. <laughs> oh wow! Okay. Um, so, so this isn't this is the first campaign you ran. Yeah, that's right. right. But you'd said that you were part of. A federal campaign before you'd volunteered. Yeah, so I um I got to help out on uh, Joanne Roberts' federal campaign, which was the uh, Green Party of Canada campaign for uh, the riding of Victoria in the 2015 general election. So the last one. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so um, in that one, um, our candidate was a wonderful woman. Her name's Joanne Roberts. She's a former CBC uh, radio host. And uh, during that campaign, I actually uh, went into her office sometime in March, and the election was in October. So I went to her office sometime in March, uh, because when I'm voting for someone, I want to make sure that I you right. know, agree with them on things. Yeah. And she was holding twice a week. She was holding one hour or two hour, I don't recall, um, uh, coffee times. And so you could go in and have a cup of coffee and talk to her about what was on your mind and what oh, issues you were thinking good. about. And I went in with the list of issues that I wanted to make sure that we were somewhere near the same page on. And uh, by the end of our conversation, I was saying, okay, well, maybe I'll think about, maybe I'll think about it. And then sometime in July, when uh, the writ drop was about a month away, um, I saw that they were holding uh, a volunteer training session. Uh, the campaign manager on that, Sonia Thoreau, holds these sessions that she calls Organizing for Democracy. Okay. And um, 
And I said, well, what the heck, let's go in and do that. And then out of the next 150 days before the election, I would guess that I volunteered for around 100 of them. Wow. Um, so uh, needless to say, I enjoyed it. <laughs> so that was kind of the bug that brought you to doing one, I guess? or I guess so. Um, I... During the uh, during Joanne's campaign, mm-hmm. um, the during Joanne's campaign, the thing was that I wanted to make sure that I'd sort of done every like just just simple volunteer job that I could think of. Okay. Um, so everything from going out and knocking on doors to getting on phones and calling people to um, you know, fooling leaflets uh, to doing data entry, uh, which is when you come back from canvassing, you have to put all that information you gathered somewhere. Right. Um, and so I did just absolutely everything I could during that campaign um, because I wanted to come out of it with a really well-rounded idea of what a campaign looked like. And I thought, well, maybe during the next federal, um, maybe I can volunteer and, you know, do some you know, canvas team coordination or something like that. Oh, okay. Like maybe I can, yeah. maybe I can take on some small organizational role here. And, uh, well, I guess that happened. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you fall into this with, with Chris? I know that you went for coffee. Well, I, is that going to tie in with the work you do in between campaigns? Uh, yeah, to some, okay. ex- to some extent. Okay. Um, so let's see. So I'm a member for the BC uh, for the BC Greens and Victoria Beacon Hill. I'm a member of what's called the Riding Association, okay. which is the group of people whose job it is to keep the party alive in that riding between elections. Um, you've got a look on your face. Here. Well, it's just like, okay. When you first talked about this, I was like, "What? What are they doing in between campaigns?" Like I, my thing was, people go campaign they either win or lose. And then I'm thinking that the people who win do their thing and the other ones just kind of sit around and wait. So I'm like, <laughs> what are the, so there's stuff happening in every riding for every party still. Um, yeah. Uh, in it's, between. it's not nearly as intense, um, but you will find, um, for example, just the other day, I got an invite from a friend of mine who's a federal liberal to their having a, um, like a beers and conversation meetup. Um, and it's, hmm. and it's, a you know, a politics and talk kind of a meetup. Um, and that's something that we do, we do as, um, as greens as well as sometimes we have what we call green drinks and we, we go out and we get, you know, a group of people together and it's a way to, to not lose touch with your volunteers between elections mm-hmm. and also a way to, um, to have those volunteers and to have just, I mean, even people who aren't volunteers, um, come in and say, oh, yeah, I'm thinking about that and give perspectives and, and all this kind of stuff. Um, the Writing Association um, has a bunch of different functions. Um, it's, you know, to keep volunteers engaged. Uh, it does some fundraising between elections um, so that we don't start from zero mm-hmm. when uh, when it's time to start paying for all this stuff during elections mm-hmm. because signs cost an unbelievable amount of money. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, volunteer rec- retention, uh, fundraising, um, awareness. Um, so when you when you go to something like Car Free Day or the Victoria Pride Parade, um, you'll see political parties there. 
And those political parties, it's actually the riding association, or federally, it's called an electoral district association, um, that are um, that are you know representing that. Okay, so well, I mean, it totally makes sense. Like, you're not just gonna a month before (laughs) get together and be like, oh, so we gotta do this again. It makes a lot of sense. I just didn't just didn't dawn on me that it was happening. So that's happening in all ridings pretty much usually? It depends. Or? It depends upon the riding and it depends upon the party and how they do it. Okay. Um, I know that, for example, in Victoria Beacon Hill, which is where I actually live, I actually, I don't even live in Victoria Swan Lake, which is where I was managing the campaign. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, the, in Victoria Beacon Hill, we have an active enough RA that... And because it's in Victoria, there's enough events for us to worry about that it makes sense for us to have one riding association that deals with just that riding. Okay. Um, in um, areas that are a little bit more spread out or that there might not be as many uh, as many things to address. Right. Um, they may say, okay, well, maybe these two or three ridings are going to get together and have sort of a joint association or something like that. Um, and how that's organized is is um it's it's a it's a very local grassroots organizing thing um you know uh the the structure of of what an association look or what a riding association looks like is definitely set out by political parties mm-hmm. but it's not um you know but at least for for greens it's a it's a bottom up thing it's okay. not a top down thing okay meaning exactly like it comes from it what, comes from the people who what, live there yeah, what they want to do, how much involvement they want yep. throughout between elections and stuff. Yeah. Um, in, um, in Victoria Swan Lake, when we started the campaign, there wasn't an active riding association in the riding. Okay. Um, and um, they, had, they had been active for, for a period of time, and it had become inactive at a certain point, um, which meant that we had, you know, some information about things that they'd done and, you know, people who had come to them and all this. Um but we were, in a lot of ways, starting from zero on things like volunteer uh, recruitment and things like that. Um, you know, we started with uh, a list of um, people who were members of the party who lived in that riding. And I just emailed all of them to say, hey, who wants to volunteer? Okay, I was just going to ask, how did you get them all? <laughs> um, charismatically. <laughs> um, Wooed. Quite, quite seriously, um, what we did was I sent individual emails to um, all of the party members in the riding, um, and um, and I reached out to some of them that I knew personally from working with them on Joanne's campaign. Okay. And um, then we said, well, you should talk to your friends, and you should talk to your friends. And um, we had a lot of people who just walked into the office and said, hey, I'm interested in helping out. How do I, how do I do that? And we said, here, grab this clipboard. Nice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, we, um, I mentioned earlier that we have uh, what we call kitchen table talks. Yeah. Um, and at a, at a kitchen table talk or a KTT, um, one of the things you do at the end of it, after you've spent a couple of hours just having a really close conversation with a bunch of people is um is the reason you bring the campaign manager to those so that they can say thanks so much now i need to ask you for things 
<laughs> and that's where you got some more people. And we got a few volunteers out of that as well. Nice. So you, you said you, you sent stuff to the party members. That's not something I've delved into yet. But it's isn't it someone they pay due? What what is it? You pay dues and then you're just I'm a part of the party. Yes. Yeah, so so different political parties deal with this differently. Okay. Um, and what I mean is it you know costs a certain amount different. Um, there are. Uh, I I believe that there are, that there are some that have pretty open memberships. Um. I'm I'm specifically thinking about the Liberal Party of Canada, so federally, but I'm not sure if they if they have a free membership or if they have a, a very small fee membership. Oh, okay. um, though I mean, in fairness, the Green Party of BC is, I believe, ten dollars per year for a membership. It's not it's not a lot of money. It's not very much. Um, <laughs> and so what that is is it's it's a it's a way of financially supporting the party, right? And saying you know here I'll pitch in my ten bucks, right? Um. B, it is a, um, it's it's a way of saying I want to you know g- get information from the party. Um, but, oh, okay. But most importantly, um, being a member uh, allows you to um, take part in things like uh, AGMs, so uh, annual general annual general meetings right. for the party. Uh, it allows you to take part in. Uh, conferences the party might hold and it allows you to in the event that there's a contested nomination in your riding it lets you vote for who you want to be the nominee uh during an election a contest a contested nomination so this is a fun one (laughs) okay Uh, so uh when you um actually let me let me turn the question around and ask how do you think we how do you think we pick who's the candidate well, I know how Chris was picked. <laughs> <laughs> Beers with Andrew Weaver, all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Eleven o'clock email. Um, I, I'm guessing that maybe there's people that are interested. If there's more than one person, then that's it's interested, contested. Then okay, then yeah, they have to decide. Yeah. So uh, what so happens? There's a mini election for an election person. Yeah, that's right. Um, so what happens mm. is uh, these people say, "Oh yeah, we're interested in running." And then they have to submit a set of paperwork, um, which is everything from financial disclosure forms to I promise I haven't said anything mean on social media to. Um, and how would everyone, how would you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, so then once they, and, and then they also submit a, a fee when they, uh, it's, you know, a few hundred dollars. More than 10 uh, bucks. More than 10 bucks uh, when they, when they decide to run. That's their nomination fee. Okay. Um, that nomination fee, uh, at least in our party, is used to pay for the vetting process. Okay. Um, which is uh, somebody actually um, looks up everything they've ever published and everything that they've, you know, and um, do their best to try and find something. And they do their best to turn over all the rocks and just make sure that there's nothing that's gonna, you know, that's going to end up harming us. Right. Um, because there are. You know, just sometimes people say stupid things. Um, we had a case during the last federal election uh, in Victoria where um, the liberal candidate, Cheryl Thomas, uh, unfortunately, um, there was a comment she'd made on Facebook several years earlier um, that got quite a lot of press uh, when it surfaced. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm going to 
repeat it wrong if I repeat it, so I'm just not even going to. Okay. You can read the stories if you want. Um, was that up in Duncan or whatever? No, or that was that was in, in Victoria. Victoria. Okay, that was in Victoria. There was there was um, one in. Uh, there was a candidate also in Langford who also had a problem with some previous social media mm-hmm. postings. Because I talked to Andrew Reeve, who is campaign manager for Liberal in Esquimalt here. Yep. And he jumped onto the federal campaign because, like, before, yep. because something like that happened. Yep. So they need a new person. Yeah. And unfortunately, <laughs> so. in Cheryl Thomas's case, um, this had come to light after the deadline had closed for getting somebody new on the ballot. Oh, so they just didn't have so. Anyone. Well, she was on the ballot. She just closed her campaign down when it happened. Oh, okay. Um, so that's why you do vetting, though, is right. to try to avoid that kind of stuff happening during the election. Um, and it's it's unfortunate. I actually really enjoyed Cheryl's perspective and voice during debates, so I was mm. actually really sad to see her campaign stop. Um, the um, so vetting happens, and after vetting happens, if you still have more than one person who's uh, sort of a viable candidate, right. um, then you have a nomination contest. Okay. And that's actually – that's another thing the RA does, is the Writing Association administers the nomination contest. Okay. And um, what that looks like is they have to notify members and have a certain amount of time where members have an opportunity to learn about these – various candidates and they may have a meeting where the candidates have a chance to speak to any members that may wish to come. And then they hold a ballot of some sort. Um, and the winner of that ballot then becomes the nominee. And then upon the writ drop becomes the candidate. So how far ahead does that usually happen? It sounds it like it's a lot of work itself. Yeah. It's <laughs> dependent upon, um, I believe it's dependent upon um, sort of how many people are showing interest in the riding. Okay. Um, because obviously nominations, they, they don't all happen at once. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, um, yeah, to be, to be totally honest about it, um, in the riding association I was part of, uh, we didn't have to run one. Um, right. We didn't have a contested nomination. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a fellow named Kaylin Harris down in Victoria Beacon Hill who stepped up and and was our candidate there. And then in Victoria Swan Lake, uh, we also didn't have a contested nomination, and Chris uh, Chris took that on. Right. Um, so, I, yeah, I really want to give you a good answer here, and I'm just floundering. <laughs> but, but it's it, it's well, in the no. guidelines somewhere. <laughs> well, no, I, I guess it makes sense. Like, you need it done by this certain time, and then you see how many people are interested, and then you just back it up with how long it'll take to vet them all and do yeah. all the work. So. And if I you mean, have four you know, people. Well, you better get going. And not everybody's vetting comes out on the same day, and mm-hmm. all of this. So, yeah, hmm. interesting. So, ten bucks to be a party member. Yeah, are there are there lots of people who do this? Um, I'm not sure. I'm allowed to talk about what the numbers are on that. Oh, okay. Just because that's I have non-disclosure agreements. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> I just never knew that people. I think until I was talking to Chris, I didn't know that people were part of parties who weren't like part of it sounds so stupid part of parties who weren't part of the party <laughs> like, right you you, you, know what I you, mean? you weren't sure that people were part of parties who weren't like staff or candidates yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. like civilians i guess you'd call them or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you know so I, I it's interesting um yeah we've we've got people who um they um you know they they care about the party and about the direction it's going in um, in 
uh, the federal Green Party, um, and I mean in the provincial Green Party as well, um, members vote. Uh, members can put forth and vote on uh, motions about what party policy would be in certain areas. Mm. Um, and so, if you you know if you care deeply about a certain issue or a certain area, uh, sometimes that's why people are members is they want to um, they want to put forth policy and see if see if enough people in the party agree with it to get behind that and make that an official stance. Um, yeah, there's there's lots of reasons to do it. I got a question that's going to sound stupid, but that's okay. That's what this is about. So, could you be a member of more than one party? Most parties have in their membership agreement a clause that says you you promise, like Pinky Swear, that you are not a member of another party. See, like it makes sense, but at the same time, it makes I'm like, well, you're getting all this information. That's like the way throughout it all to really see what's going on in each party. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. We will happily send you our email newsletter, even if you're not a member. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, yeah, that's good to know. Yeah. You just go to the website and sign up for that. Yeah. We, uh, you know, I think I think every political party out there wants everybody to sign up for their newsletter. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, the, yeah, I guess that's, it's not just 10 bucks for a newsletter. <laughs> but, yeah, because if you go to the general meetings, you're going to hear things that they're like, well, don't don't tell the NDP or don't tell the, the liberals directly of what we no, I mean the 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 AGMs are um, oftentimes they're even live streamed. Oh, um, well. <laughs> they're um, like there's you know this isn't backroom politics. There's nothing. Yeah. There's nothing secret that happens here. Okay. Um, because one of the one of the things that that I'm really proud to be a member of the Green Party about actually is actually no. I should renew my membership. Uh, <laughs> one of the one of the reasons why I'm proud to have been a past and apparently future member of the Green Party <laughs> is that um, is that the way that the platform is decided upon is very is very democratic mm -hmm. and it's very much about you know ideas coming up from the grassroots and um, having enough people put their name to it that it can get voted on at an AGM and then either being incorporated into the party policy or not based on that vote. Um, because it means that our policy book isn't, you know, um, three people in a back room came up with this. It's actually reflective of what the membership uh, believes. Well, and that, that seems like a good way to do it. <laughs> it seems like it's for the people then, right? We think so. <laughs> uh, I definitely think so. So how does it work? Let, let's say, hypothetically, that someone is like, yeah, I think I'm going to join this party. Sure. And then they join it. And six months down the road, they're like, oh, I don't really, I'm not really feeling this anymore. I want to switch or whatever. Like, how does that work? Like, you send somebody an email and you say, I'm resigning from I'm, this party. Out, but yeah. I want my 450 back. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I think we keep the 450. I'm not totally sure, though. I'm totally I, uh, I, you know what, if you demanded your 450 back, I would like to think that we'd probably get it to <laughs> a lot of just shaking your head going, what? Really? <laughs> oh, that'd be funny. I'm sure there's people that would, but, um, that, it's interesting. I, I never thought of how this all works. Yeah. Um, there are, I mean, there are even people who join political parties with the express idea that they want to, um, you know, I, I heard some chatter during the recent conservative leadership debate um, of people saying, well, I'm planning on joining the federal conservatives so that I can vote in the leadership debate and uh, or vote hmm. in the leadership contest and, you know, hopefully pick out which one of those leaders I think is is best. Hmm. Um, 
and they um, were not necessarily people who would have voted conservative, but wanted to see something something happen there. Personally, I disagree with that approach. Isn't that like like a really detailed strategic voting kind of thing? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're never really going to get me to say strategic voting is a good idea. <laughs> no, I, I I don't think you would hear that from a green person, right? <laughs> so let's talk about the difference between, because you're part of the federal and provincial Greens. And yes. what I've learned now is that those are different parties. Those are totally distinct parties. Um, that share a wonderful color. <laughs> so, how okay you you have a software company? Yes, that's right. And you, I'm guessing the volunteer like the writing thing between elections is volunteer. Yep, that's right. And you're with both the federal and the provincial. Yeah, I'm on the board of both the uh, Victoria Electoral District Association and the Victoria Beacon Hill Riding Association. The, the, the Vic, what was the first one? Uh, the Victoria Electoral District Association, which is the federal uh, between elections. The version of that. Yeah. Okay. So what kind of time commitment is that um, like for you? What, what, what's your role in these? Or does it just change with whatever needs to be done kind of thing? Um, I Let's see. I believe I'm technically the communication chair of both of those things, but... Uh, my actual role, I would say, is is getting done what needs to get done. <laughs> um, it's realistically, it's um, you know, two or three hours every couple of weeks. Oh, it's okay. not. It's, it's not big. Okay, right. for each or together. 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 Okay. Together. How many people volunteered between elections? Uh, we see. Uh, both of those boards are made up of. Um, the federal one is made up of uh, seven or eight people. The provincial one is made up of four or five people. Mm. Um, and then you'll have uh, often, for example, last year we had uh, provincially, we were at Car Free Day. And um, we had volunteers come out who were just local area volunteers that we had contacted who aren't necessarily on the boards, but do want to be involved between elections. Okay. So, you know, it's it's sort of hard to give a number on that because there's um because people show up just for the most random events. Okay. So, yeah, like so there's a few that are kind of constant, but then if there's something happening, some more people kind of Yeah, there's come out of the woodwork. Yeah, the the boards are <laughs> the boards are mostly about organizing, but then people do come to help out with right. with the actual activities as well. Right. That's when you send that email and be like we need help. <laughs> uh almost never at 11 o'clock at night though <laughs> and that was a call back to chris sending his email <laughs> okay so um let's jump over or, or is there anything else you want to talk about about chris's campaign like your from your side of things what your experience oh um, funny stories funny stories um i'm trying to think if we had anything that was just fall over funny um, I know that we certainly had, had things that made us laugh a lot, but that may have just been the exhaustion. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. I, I would, the, the only thing I, I would want to, to really say about Chris's campaign was to mention that, um, you know, uh, Chris put a ton of work into it and I put a ton of work into it. And, uh, obviously Chris's wife and yeah. brother and sister and mother and his two-year-olds all put lots of work and you know 
play into it, yeah, yeah. Um, particularly with a two-year-old. Um, <laughs> but the volunteers are absolutely what makes the engine go. Right. Um, because if it's just me and Chris out knocking on doors, then we talk to, you know, maybe 30 people in a day. Mm. And then we've talked to maybe 1% to 2% of the electorate during the electoral period. Right. Um, and so it's really the um, those people that, that come in and give of their time and give of their, their ability um, are really the people that are the, the thing that makes this happen. Um, and I just, you know, feel that, that talking about what it's like for us is is almost a misnomer without just acknowledging that, you know, we have an engine, but there's no gas in it if uh, volunteers don't come out. Yeah, for sure. Well, that many of them, I mean, wow. I just, I, so I'm thinking about all the ridings, like just how many people are involved with this is insane and how much elections cost and like 50, 60 people or whatever aren't even getting paid. Yep. Like, so <laughs> it's all signs. It's all yep. just on signs. Uh, it, <laughs> It, uh, I, I should probably not disclose our <laughs> no, exact finance numbers, but I can tell you that a lawn sign costs $4.25. Really? So. It seems expensive. Um, they're really good signs. Uh, <laughs> they, they get stolen a lot. <laughs> they get stolen a lot. Yeah, actually, there, there's a, there's a really fun story from the election is we, um, so of course we, we, Put up as many signs as we possibly can. We yeah. got we got five hundred signs made this election. Okay, um, and uh, there's there's a listener out there somewhere frantically doing the math. Going, okay, four twenty five times five hundred. Okay. I, I tried to. I'm like that's two thousand a bit. Yes, twenty two hundred. Yeah, the um, plus GST. Um, <laughs> and the um, but so we we had a couple of them. Um, there's a grocery store that was right in front of our office and there was a piece of grass right in front of this grocery store. And we had just a couple of small signs in front of that piece of grass because we had a volunteer who came in one day and said, there's no signs out there. And I think there should be signs out there. And we said, okay, we'll go put some signs out there that like, (laughs) this is, this is one of the ideas that we went, Oh yeah, we never thought of that. Let's, let's take care of that. Yeah. And then about a week, two weeks later, the uh, loss prevention officer from the grocery store comes storming into our office and he's got one of our lawn signs clutched in his hand. And we thought like, uh Oh, what did like, are they mad at us? Cause it, it was totally legal and legitimate that they were there. Yeah. But we're thinking, are they annoyed at us or something like this? And, um, and so we quickly put the, the meeting that we were actually in with some constituents on pause to, to go and talk to this fellow and it turned out that what had happened is that somebody um, uh, who was actually, he was driving a private bus, um, had pulled up and had started, like, beating on this sign. What? And was, uh, he was apparently not a fan of ours. Okay. And, uh, you know, during elections, some people can get pretty heated with their um, with their fervor and with their partisans. Uh, with her partisanship. So, um, and I don't know who, um, who this man was thinking about voting for, or what his motivations were, but I know that he started just punching our sign. And then he pulled the, um, the wire rack that was holding it to the ground and started just twisting it and just like being really mad at this. And so the loss prevention guy, um, who is this big security guard guy, 
comes running out of the grocery store yeah. and starts yelling at him and telling him that he can't do that because that's actually criminal activity to right. deface uh, election signage. And, um, and he yelled at him so much that the guy gave him his name, the name of the company he worked for, his boss's name, his boss's phone number, and we caught the number of the bus he was driving. <laughs> and this guy wrote it all down on a sheet of paper for us and came back and gave us the broken sign. And when we went out to replace it, we realized this guy had been so focused on beating up this one sign that he had completely left the other one there untouched. <laughs> so things like that happen. They're just sort of daily occurrence. Man, I wish I could have seen that. Um I am fairly sure we recycled that particular sign, but we did keep it in the back room of the office for the entire election um, so that when people would say, um, occasionally volunteers would say, I think people might be stealing signs. And we'd go, oh, yeah, we've got this. <laughs> Let me show you something. That's hilarious. Um, so the signs were are expensive and people steal them. People steal. And one thing I noticed is that <laughs> after the election, people I saw some people dropping them off yep. at, to bring them back. Oh, yeah. we So we keep track of where every sign goes. Okay. And every sign that goes out has an address associated with it. Or if it goes on a boulevard, we have, you know, we have a science map that literally has the boulevards that were, they were placed on just highlighted on right. it. And after the election, we actually send teams to go and get eyes on literally every lawn in the riding to pull signs off of them. Okay. And so we, and so we, people don't have to deal with it. It's is that the thing? Or? Yeah, the the day after the 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 day after the election we start sending teams out to go and pull these things up. Okay. And um but the problem with that is that sometimes people say, "Oh, I want a sign," and they pull them off a boulevard and they put it up in front of their house. Hmm. Or um sometimes they were at an event and they just grabbed one from the back room without telling us. Um, and so we actually have to send somebody to look at like every little cul-de-sac and every street and every, really, it takes a while. I didn't know that you did that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's one of the, it's one of the fun parts. And, um, <laughs> it's actually, I always, I tell volunteers this and it's not totally BS. Uh, I tell volunteers that, uh, when I've done it for previous campaigns, I actually find it very cathartic um, mm -hmm. because you you know you walk around and you pull up these signs and it sort of it feels like you're just putting the bow on it. Yeah, you know? yeah, you're, yeah. You're finishing this. Yeah, for sure. Um, now that I'm managed a campaign, I can say definitively that uh, that's not the end of it, and there's still finances to do afterwards. Right, <laughs> right. So it's a bow on it for the volunteers. <laughs> uh, I hope so. I really hope so. Um, the um, yeah, so we, we go around and we collect all of them, um, but, you know, a tremendous number of them go missing, get damaged, get recycled by people who um, they pull them out of their lawn and they put them in the recycling bin mm -hmm. the night or the morning after the election. And so when we go by, well, they're not there anymore. Um, so there's some people keep them as souvenirs. Well, that's what I was wondering about. Yeah. Uh, some people put them in their garage. For, so is it stealing then? Um <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, um, you know, we we acknowledge that that when they get stolen, it's sort of just a fact of life. Um, <laughs> so I don't worry about it too much. Um, these people have like 
lent us their lawn for the, yeah. of the election. I'm thrilled with them. Yeah. Um, some of them like to, um, I had several people call me afterwards and say, so you don't need to pick mine up. I'm putting it in my garage for the next time that you guys run. Oh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so I can just put it out right away. Uh, all in all, out of our 500 signs, we got uh, just a smidge over 300 of them back. Okay. That's quite a bit, I guess. It's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you guys do with it? You just recycle them, I guess. Cause... It depends on um, if next election, if Chris decides that he's uh, <laughs> going to run for the nomination again or not. Okay. Right now, they are sitting under Chris's mom's deck. Okay. Um, and luckily, they're... Um, I mean, they're meant to be outdoors, so it's, you know, you, yeah, don't have to, can... you don't have to store these things in in particularly great areas. You just right. have to hose them down afterwards. Right. Well, that that is good. I mean, that's a way to save money, right? Instead of just getting rid of it and then, yeah. you know. Actually, um, Andrew Weaver's campaign uh, over on Oak Bay Gordon Head, mm-hmm. uh, for your listeners who don't know, Andrew Weaver was the first uh, elected BC Green. Right. Um, so when Andrew ran and got elected, uh his campaign took all of his signs and they put them in storage. And then this election, they pulled them all out of storage and they put two stickers on them. One of them covered where it said elect and now it said reelect. Okay. Yeah. And the other one was um, campaigns have something called a financial agent who is the person who's responsible for spending throughout the campaign. And you're required to put on all of your material uh, that is print material that's published during the writ period, um, you have to put the financial agent contact info on it. Oh, okay. And so the other sticker was them updating the financial agent to whoever it was right. this time around. But those stickers probably cost less than four twenty five. I so I know, or for you just sure, have more. I actually know for sure that they do because uh, when I put together our signs, I screwed up our financial agent info. No. On them. <laughs> And so we actually had to sticker our signs as well. So your signs were like four seventy five. Uh, <laughs> Is that salt in the wound? Let's see. It cost uh, fifteen dollars and forty cents to do all the stickering. Oh, so it was less than that. And uh, about five hours from a wonderful volunteer of ours named Anne. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> God bless her heart. Bless Anne. <laughs> Okay, let's jump over to um, numbers. Yeah. Now, you said something that I don't know what you're talking about at all. Oh, okay. You said you have a math background in voting systems. Yeah, I, I've i taken, you know, a couple of math classes here and there. Yeah, um, but what act- is... Well, actually, let me tell you my joke first about my math background. Okay. Which is to say that I don't have a math minor. Okay. Uh, I have a computer science major, and I don't have a math minor. The reason I don't have a math minor is because I'm one credit short. So it turns out I can't count. <laughs> um, <laughs> what the... Um, and there's a whole, so you didn't know you were going to be one credit short? <laughs> I actually showed up to convocation and got the little sheet of paper with what my degree was on it. And it was missing the math minor. And I went to talk to someone and they're like, yeah, you're a credit short. Like, that's hilarious, but you're still a credit short. <laughs> that's beautiful. That's it's, that's better than getting it. I'm at least, you know what, I, uh, I feel okay about it. <laughs> um, so, during my degree, um, I got to take this fantastic course that was actually um, 
it was designed for uh, for education students, and it was uh, it was it was. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of it. I'm going to make up a name. We'll call it Practical Mathematics for the Classroom. Okay. And what it was, was it was a focus on math for people who would be teaching high school type of math. And this course was meant to answer the question, um, what are we ever going to use this for? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And, um, and so it was all of these practical well, here's how math actually impacts daily life right. kind of things. And in and one of the things we focused on for about a month and a half in there was what's called um, uh, fair voting criteria and different voting systems. Mm. Um, because uh, not all voting systems are created equal. Right. Um, and, I mean, if you pay attention to the news, you know that there's yeah, this is- <laughs> a lot of fervor about that. <laughs> Yes. Um, and, uh, even so in, in, in Canada and in BC, um, we use a system called first past the post, right. which says that, um, in a given riding, uh, and that riding is a geographical area with roughly the same number of people as every other riding in right. it. Um, in a given riding, whoever gets the most votes is the representative. Okay. That's, you know, a it is absolutely a way you can elect people. Yeah. Um, it's uh, Canada's 150 this year. It's been working for us, but it doesn't always produce great results. Right. Um, because we see it produce uh, what's called a false majority, like a disturbing amount of the time. And what a false majority is, is when you have a party that gets, you know, 30 or 35% of the vote, but they have a majority in the house. So, for example, our current uh, our current federal liberal government um, did not get, um, you know, 50 percent or more of Canadians votes. Right. But they do have a majority in the legislature, um, which means that they have a practical that practically they have the ability to do just whatever they can yeah. pass there. And that's the difference between the popular vote and. the Yeah. Right. Yeah, when we when we talk about the popular vote, what we mean is just the the absolute raw. If we took everybody's vote, dumped it into the same pot, what percentage would they have gotten? Right. Um, the um, the it seems like kind of like the way it should be. <laughs> Shouldn't it? Like, do you mean the popular? Do you mean the popular vote? It seems yeah. like it should be because otherwise I have to convince you of some things. Uh, <laughs> Well, no, the popular vote, isn't it? Like, it shouldn't, like, because then that's more of just how the the, the people, Well, so that that's ma- how many people so really that, want it. So that makes intuitive sense. And that's one of the reasons why I'm really for what's called proportional representation. Right. Um, actually, just to, just to step outside Canadian politics for a second, um, you heard um, down when, uh, when George Bush, uh, George Bush... Um, is he George Bush Jr.? I don't know. Or is George kid, Bush Sr. just George Bush Sr.? I, I don't know. I don't just know. Kid Bush. Okay, so the younger George Bush. <laughs> um, when he was elected, um, there was a big contention because the Electoral College vote, um, he won, which is how they pick the president of the states. Right, okay. But his opponent won the popular vote. Right. And so, yeah. so that means that there's people going, okay, this is unfair. Then more people voted for the other guy. But because of a quirk of the system, this guy's president. So, 
um and in canada we 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 get a lot of false majorities yeah um which um there are absolutely valid things to saying that majority governments tend to be more stable Mm -hmm. Uh, majority governments uh they tend to last full term longer um they have uh greater success passing legislation because um well the the party tends to vote together right right um but they're not representative of the popular vote. Mm-hmm. So what the Green Party tends to be in favor of is what's called proportional representation. And proportional representation or PR or prop rep or whatever okay. abbreviation you want to use for it um, isn't about uh, – isn't, isn't a single system. There are, there are multiple different voting systems that we could call proportional representation. Okay. Um, so it's not like it's not like we um, it's not like we can say, well, let's switch to proportional representation because that doesn't really mean anything. Okay. What we what we mean is that our voting system should be proportional. It's like switching to dinner. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> is, is it is it chicken, beef, or hummus? Right. right like which, yeah. which one of these? I I really hope I'm not having hummus for supper. Uh, <laughs> um, but the. Um, <laughs> my fiance has been working on on cutting down our meat consumption in the house because for our carbon emissions it's actually better that we cut down our meat consumption and so i um, just telling you i had beef today it was just <laughs> uh i eat a lot of chicken because that's my compromise between yeah. uh high emission animals and still eating meat um the um i just i just lost at least two vegetarians votes uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, vegetarians. I do respect your choices. Um, the um, um, so anyhow, so proportional representation is about saying that we want a system in which the popular vote outcome matches pretty closely the makeup of the house, which seems like a no-brainer. Um, there are lots of valid reasons to to go for different systems. Um, this is the one, however, that at least for me, for my intrinsic sense of, you know, what's fair, mm-hmm. that seems to be it. Okay. Um, because the BC Greens got uh, 15% of the popular vote this last election. Mm-hmm. And we have three out of 87 MLAs. Yeah. And I don't have a math minor. <laughs> but I can tell you. <laughs> that so, is such a good story. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, there's there's something that's. Do you actually, ever thought of going back and finishing it? <laughs> uh, no, I I occasionally think of going back and getting a master's degree, but that's because the Canadian astronaut program won't have me without one. Uh, <laughs> so the um, something that was really great though that we I learned in this math class is that there's um, there's this wonderful math proof. Uh, it's called Arrow's Impossibility Theorem, and uh, what it does is it lays out several criteria for what you would consider a fair voting system. Okay. Um, and so things like um, when somebody gets the most votes in an area, they should win. Right? <laughs> things that just seem... Ins- <laughs> exactly. These insane ideas. Yeah. Right? Um, and it lays out, um, I think it's four of them. It might be five, five of these criteria that you need. And... The problem is that individually you look at them and you go, yeah, that's fair. That makes sense. But what Arrow proved, and he actually he got a Nobel Prize for this. Okay. What he proved was that 
these criteria are contradictory in nature. And so there's no such thing as a voting system that's always going to be fair in every election. And so for any voting system, you can construct, you know, a theoretical case of saying, oh, well, that was unfair this time. Oh. And so when you... I know, right? (laughs) Because otherwise we'd just pick the good one and we'd be done. So why why is this... And, and I, I really can't describe it without getting into like 20 pages of, of equations. <laughs> okay. Cause I'm, I'm like, but if they get the votes, then it's like, it seems simple, but it's not, you're telling me. It's simple, but there's, um, sometimes, you know, simple things come to, you saw Jurassic Park, simple things come together <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't always go the way you'd expect. Yeah. Okay. Huh. <laughs> right. Um, but, um, something like proportional representation is, one of our fairness criteria that we think should actually be one of the things that we weight more strongly towards because it seems like we're violating an awful lot with first past the post systems. Mm -hmm. So this math thing, are there like, if we do this proportional representation, we have, there has to be a system chosen then, right? So are there going to be a bunch of mathematicians like (laughs) digging into this? Like did, did you ever um, actually, did you see, so federally, um, there was a group put together to talk about different voting systems and to recommend if the federal government should go ahead pursuing proportional representation or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, the like lately, you mean with Trudeau? Yeah, yeah with yeah. with Trudeau because he said he, he was going to change it. Right? Uh, he said in twenty, he said that twenty fifteen would be the last federal election held under the first past the post system. Right, um, and. I don't know what's happening in his in the back room of the legislature right now. Okay. I really hope it's a bunch of people trying to go, okay, let's make this work. Right. Um, but right now it seems to be on the back burner. Right. Yeah. And he has certainly taken a lot of a lot of flack um from you know, from people and from the media, both that saying that he's backed away from that promise. Right. Yeah. Um but I really like <laughs> Justin, if you're listening to this, like, I really hope we're still going for it. Um, yeah. I really hope he's one of your listeners. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, one of the... Um, but yeah, uh, so one of the things that happened during that uh, was to show how complex this was. Um, uh, Marion Monsef, the Minister of, Demo- of um, Democratic something or rather wow i'm i'm sorry i I'd her help title. You if i could but i've I forgotten no her title she <laughs> um well she's she's an mp and she was a minister okay and she um she she actually stood up on the house floor holding an equation really? uh to demonstrate that there was math involved here huh okay and uh so mathematicians have absolutely been involved in this consultation process um but um what's what it looks like might happen here in BC is so with the recent NDP green agreement to mm-hmm. work together here uh, in what's called a supply and confidence agreement, which is to say to vote on budgets and, and confidence motions together. Right. Uh, and also, you know, there's this 10 page document where we've said, you know, here's some stuff that we want to get done. Um, uh, 
proportional representation is actually one of those things we want to get done. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way it looks like it's going to happen is that there's going to be uh, a referendum at the same time as the next round of municipal elections here. So in just about a year and a quarter now. Okay. Um, and so when you go to vote for your city council, there will also be a question of, and I don't know what the question is. Right, yeah. I would really like the question to be, which of these two systems of proportional representation should we implement? Right, yeah. Rather than a yes or no. Yeah. Uh, because it, here in BC, we've actually had that question twice before. Yeah, I heard that, and I had no idea. <laughs> we need um, to let people know that this is coming. Uh, you know, 59% uh, support uh, during one of those referendums, but we needed a supermajority. We needed 60% support. Um, according and to, your math, your non-math minor would tell you that that was one percent away, right? It would tell me. Uh, I I would have to say that uh, BC uh, also was one credit short there. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. Thank you. Um. Yeah. Uh, B- BC has has attempted this question before, yeah. and we'll see we'll see how this one works out. Um. Because I think that. As we talk about this more and more on the federal level and on the provincial level, and as this question keeps coming up, you know, it's becoming apparent that this isn't a one-time, well, we had this idea, and what do you guys think? Right. Thing. This is this is something that um, really there's an intrinsic sense of fairness to this question that comes up over and over and over. And every time we see uh, another government elected and we say, but you guys only had 35% of the vote, mm-hmm. how are you possibly holding all the power here? um we we come back to this question yeah you know yeah um i think there's just a lot of people that don't understand that right well (laughs) which is the thing that we need to get them to understand because well that's why i'm glad you're doing this (laughs) yeah i would have had to vote on to vote on that but i probably just was like i don't know what they're doing so no (laughs) well and and referendums can be a dangerous way to make decisions Mm -hmm. because people I know I've read a study about this. I can't remember it or cite what it was. So take this with a grain of salt. For sure. But people tend to vote for the thing that's more familiar yeah. versus the new thing. Yeah. Even even if it's not good. Well, and, I mean, there's, you know, the, these things, they're not, the, the, this is, this is a, a question where we could go, we could say, well, we think this is the better system. We think this is the better system. Um, there's, there's no inherent, um, you know, this is good and this is bad. There is, well, there are these trade-offs to these different systems. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some trade-offs for proportional representation. Um, we would likely have a slightly larger, uh, a slightly larger house um, okay. with it because um, depending upon which system uh, happens, um, a lot of proportional representation systems involve um, filling up uh, until you get to the point where you say, okay, now it's proportional. Okay. So like even yeah. yeah. So if we if we said, for example, that the BC Greens got you know fifteen percent of the vote, which means they should have had, I think it's fourteen seats this time around. But you know, grain of salt again with the math. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the um, and we said, well, we got three MLAs in this time. So a lot of proportional representation systems would actually say, okay, now we're going to have to add eleven MLAs. Oh, okay. I to see. to even that out. Um, hmm. be interesting to see so th- th- that's yeah. a trade-off yeah is because yeah. there's additional cost involved there and there's additional you know um 
does that change the infrastructure that we need for MLAs? Does that change the amount of money that's allocated to community offices? Well, can't they just cut their salaries in half and split up? <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I think that that would have to be brought to a vote. <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to bring that to a vote. <laughs> I will be politic and say I don't know how that would happen. <laughs> you don't belong to a party right now. <laughs> uh, not, not right now. Not right now. And I should at this no. point take a moment and mention that these are my personal yes. opinions and not the official stance of the BC Greens or the, B- or the Green Party of Canada. Yes. Um, so what, what are your views on the we should, We'll wrap up here right sure. away. But what are your views on what are the some of the main differences between the provincial and the federal BC Greens? Well, there's no well, federal BC Greens, that's for sure. I know, as soon as I said it, I was like, <laughs> federal and provincial Greens. Um, there are, well, I mean, the, oh, boy, I'm, I'm trying to, to think of how to how to get to it without without getting into the quagmire of, like, specific policy points or specific oh, okay. issues. Um, a lot of it is different areas of focus. Um, so there are things that are provincial focuses and things that are federal focuses. Um, and so when we look at things like, um, um, you know, should the site C dam get built? That's, that's a provincial issue. Okay. Uh, when we look at things like healthcare funding, uh, or education, these are, these are provincial issues. Um, on a federal level, um, we get towards things like, for example, national health strategies, um, or we get towards things like um, how's the federal budget divvied up? What do you know? Everything from military to energy to um, to diplomatic expenditures look like. Okay. So you know, um, they're different parties for for one reason is that they have different areas of focus. Um, BC Greens are focused on what the bc green government or what a bc government can do yeah right um whereas the federal where federal greens are focused on what a federal government can do um there are um there are differences um in terms of um you know andrew andrew weaver and the bc greens very much focus on being a, a bit of a centrist option Mm-hmm. Um, and saying, you know, there's there's this party that's quite left, there's this party that's quite right, and you know, we're a we're a middle we're a middle road right. party here. We're you know, and that has some broad appeal to it. Um, federally, the the Greens tend to be portrayed as being positioned, depending on who you ask, either as like far left <laughs> or far right, uh, <laughs> um, and uh, and pick your issue. Um, yeah. Okay. The um that's gotta be so confusing to a lot of people well, like i didn't i didn't know there well were different and, parties yeah no and they're they're totally they are absolutely different parties um we are um that that is not to say that there aren't a lot of people who are involved in both mm-hmm. and that isn't to say that they are not you know on good terms um we were uh very lucky uh to have during this last election we held a a small town hall event, and we were able to get Elizabeth May to come and speak at it with us. Um, and so we had, um, and she's the leader of the federal. She is the leader of the federal, right. the federal Greens. And so we had at a table uh, Chris Maxwell, Andy McKinnon. Uh, so those were two uh, candidates for MLA okay. here, uh, and Elizabeth May. 
And uh, when questions were coming up, when it was more of a provincial matter, they'd take it. And when it was more federal, she'd take it. And and it was a very interesting conversation. Yeah. And um, and then, frankly, Elizabeth is just an incredible fundraiser. So having her in the room raised a lot of money for those <laughs> campaigns as well. Um, she uh, she doesn't let you get out of the room without taking your wallet out. But um, but because they're they are separate parties, um, you know, we've also we actually paid the federal uh, the federal greens for her appearance there because we oh, had to okay. pay for her yeah, transportation right. yeah. and her time and uh-huh. all of this um, so that it's not a donation from them to us. Right. It's a, we have, we paid for it. Right, right. Um, and so there's, you know, there, I, I think there's a lot of common ground between the two, mm-hmm. but they do definitely have some separate policies. So how, how can they have the same name if they're not the same? <laughs> what, what, what do you like, mean? One, one of them is the Green Party of Canada. And one of them is the um, uh, the British Columbia Green Party. I think it's the legal name. Um, so they're different names. You're saying? <laughs> I, uh, you're right. There, there, there's some very similar branding, though. I will yeah. give you that. Um, well, okay. Look, let's look at. So it. they're not. It's not like they're totally not associated. Uh, Why? Well, I'd say they're friends. Yeah. Well. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what I mean. Like they're friends, but they're not. They, they are distinct legal entities. Okay, yeah. Right. Hmm. Um, now, I mean, so you say, how can they That's have the same name? Um, the BC Liberals and the Federal Liberals are absolutely not the same party. Well, no, I know I know it's the same for all, but right. I, I, I have the same questions there. Well, I, I, <laughs> it's just so interesting. I'm not even I'm not even saying saying that though. I'm saying the BC Liberals have vastly divergent policies from the Federal Liberals. Oh, okay. And that I mean, our BC Liberals are really quite far on the conservative end of the spectrum for so BC. bloody confusing <laughs> whereas our liberals federally are are i would say more middle road okay right they're 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 that broad appeal so so when you're are, i'm guessing there's your people can be part of federal parties as well like you pay something to be a, yeah i think i paid yeah. 10 bucks there too <laughs> there it might have been 15 yeah. who yeah. knows <laughs> so but because they're separate you could be like part of the greens and then part of the federal liberals or like or, i have that probably makes no sense but i have a very good friend of mine who's who's a member of the bc greens and a member of the federal liberals hmm. because federally the federal liberal policies appeal to her and provincially the bc greens policies appeal to her man it's not like you just figure one thing out and you just gotta <laughs> oh now i gotta figure more out <laughs> no no it's uh it's not just one no it's and you know and we get during the election we get a tremendous amount of confusion between those two things. Um, We show up at doors and we, you know, knock, knock, knock. Hi, I'm Bob. This is, well, actually, no, hi, I'm Chris. This is Bob. I don't really introduce, (laughs) I don't really let him play second fiddle when we're at a door together. Um, And, you know, one of the things we ask is, have you ever considered voting green? And um, a lot of people say things like, well, you know, I really like that Elizabeth May. Yep. Yeah, at the beginning of this, when I first started doing these podcasts, and I think it was when I talked to Chris, maybe, and he was talking about Andrew Weaver. I was yeah. like, well, what happened to Elizabeth May? Like, she's, I didn't she's know. She's doing fine. I she's doing fine. <laughs> I was like, I thought she was the leader of the group. Like, I, I, yeah. I'm so confused, but I'm starting to get it now. Yeah, they're, uh, and, you know, and, I mean, it's, it's the reason why um, we have here the, it looks like the BC and DP are about to become a minority government mm-hmm. in BC 
and we'll see on the 22nd what happens with the throne speech and all that. Yeah, um, it's still not done. <laughs> no, it's, it's, uh, you'd think this that we, you know, I, I was talking to a, a friend of mine the other day and she's a, she's a teacher and one of the kids in her class was asking and they said, so when does the government change? <laughs> and, uh, and she's teaching like grade threes. So like these grade threes oh, wow. are on the ball. Yeah. Right. And, um, and she said, well, I'm not sure. So she said, I'm going to ask someone. She, yeah. she asked me and I walked her through it. And she said, I sort of thought it was like election day happens. And then the next day we just have a new government. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what I think a lot of us thought. Which, which seems like it should be true. Yeah. Um, but like there's all sorts of procedural stuff that has to happen in between. Yeah. And um, so we, uh, it looks like we're going to have an NDP minority government here yeah. um, with BC Green support. Right. Um, and in Alberta, we have, there's an Alberta NDP um, government there. Okay. They're pro pipeline. Here we're not. <laughs> and so we actually have NDP governments disagreeing with each other as, and one of them saying, we want to put this pipeline here, and one saying, well, but we don't want you to put that pipeline. Which is there. really funny because aren't the NDP the only ones that where their federal federal and provincial party are the same party? Uh, I believe that's true from from like a legal distinction. Yeah, yeah, like all the other ones have, they're separate, but yep. NDP it's all together. So they're together, but they're not together. Yep, they're fighting. Well, and it's going to be interesting. And I mean, in fairness, in total fairness to it. Um, you know, uh, Premier Notley, she's the Premier of Alberta, and she mm -hmm. is representing the people who live there and what their interests are and right. what they're looking for. Yeah. And, um, and you know, and my parents live in Alberta, which means on my weekly phone call with my mother, I hear all about what the interests in Alberta are. Yeah. Um, and then um, here in BC, uh, should John Horgan be Premier here? Um, and by the time you get this edited, it'll be like John Horgan, who is the premier. Um, <laughs> he uh, he's here to represent the people of British Columbia, right? Yeah. Right? yeah. And those interests are not necessarily always going to be aligned. Yeah. Um, and I I actually think it's fantastic well, that they can yeah. be talking about like our constituents need this, our constituents need this. Let's like <laughs> let's represent them. Yeah. Because that's the job. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> that, that's, that's exactly it. That's so simple, right? Oh, are there gosh, green, if, only, are, if, if only it was simple. <laughs> are there green parties for other provinces? Yes, absolutely. Okay, cool. Um, there, um, uh, for example, um, though Andrew Weaver is the first elected BC Green, he, um, you might have looked around and went, oh, so he's the only green MLA. No, there's actually mm. a green MLA in uh, Prince Edward Island. Oh. Hmm. And um, I think I got that right. If I'm wrong, I really apologize. <laughs> it's somewhere in the Maritimes. It's somewhere out there. <laughs> and I lived in the Maritimes for a year, so I think I got this. Yeah. But I also, it's really far. <laughs> it's really far. Um, the, so, yeah, so there are, there yeah. are green MLAs elected elsewhere. Okay. Um, and... That's, you know, that's fantastic. Um, and so, you know, you can look at, and so if you're in a place where there isn't a green MLA elected, um, 
say, for example, so I'm from Saskatchewan originally. I believe we don't yet have a green MLA in Saskatchewan. Okay. Um, that's something that Greens in Saskatchewan, though, can look at and say, see, it's possible to elect green MLAs. Right. Like, yeah, this, is, sure. yeah. this is work that we can keep doing. Yeah. Well, there's probably a bunch of different parties. Oh, I, that'd be really interesting to check to see. Like, I just found out, like, we've got a Vancouver Island party. We have a Communist Party. We have... Yep. Um, we've got libertarians. libertarians. Um, there's a BC First Party, I think it's called. BC First. Um, uh, there was there was somebody, I believe that's what it's called. There was somebody from it running in Oak Bay Gordon Head this last election. Okay. I had no idea. Um, <laughs> yeah, I actually, um, I actually canvassed the Vancouver Island Party candidate here when I was out knocking on doors, and I showed up at his doorstep. Oh, really? And said, have you ever considered voting green? And he said, no. He's <laughs> <laughs> well, sticking with his party. To, to, be, to, be fair with his, to be fair to what he said, I believe he said, what do you think? <laughs> did you know it was him when you... I did not know you him not. by face. Oh. I Once once he, he said, uh, he gave me his name and I went, oh. <laughs> um, That's a good story. Yeah. I... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I didn't realize. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. Well, let's let's end with that story there. All right. <laughs> well, thanks, Bob, for joining me. And uh, yeah, maybe we'll have you on again sometime. Um, maybe after this election. This is going to be really... I, for the, the year to come in to learn all this stuff, man, this is an exciting year. Because <laughs> we're getting all the examples of what can happen. <laughs> what's, the, uh, what's the next election we're worried about? I really hope it's not BC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah right yeah well the next elections the it'll be civic right next election will be civic it'll civic be uh we'll have municipal in uh fall of 2018 so a year and a half ish yeah kind of cool all right thanks a lot bob all right thanks bye cheers all right thanks for listening to this episode with bob i had a great time and i hope you enjoyed it and learned uh something new and useful once again I'm currently working on editing a chat I had with a Canadian history buff here where I try to get a handle on how Canada got started and why Montreal is so much older than Canada. It's a huge piece of meat to chew on for sure and I realized it's tough to sort it all out over a single chat, especially when I'm constantly derailing him for clarification or to answer some crazy question that popped into my brain from something he said. At any rate, look out for that episode coming soon, and I hope it's insightful for you as it was for me. I'm also in the works of getting a guest together to talk about the outcome of our BC election here uh, and what's happened since the finalization of the new government with the NDP and the Greens. So that will be quite interesting when that comes together. So again, if you'd uh, like to donate a couple bucks for a coffee or a couple more for a beer or even a small chunk of change that might help us uh, with expenses here at the podcast, we'd love you to bits for it. Just drop by the website to do so at www.governthis.ca. And also please leave a comment on the website or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash govern this and tell us what you think of things so far on the podcast here. Um, also, any topics or questions that you might want covered or answered in future episodes. So, uh, you can also give us a shout on Twitter 
at wegovernthis or shoot us an email at weatgovernthis.ca. And that's about it, I guess. So if you like what you've heard and you think it's important, please share this with as many people as you can. Hopefully we can all become a little more aware and involved. So until next time, stay curious. How do you say your last name? Uh, Warwick. Warwick? Yeah. Because there's a W after, right? But it doesn't exist. It's all sorts of British and we can't <laughs> spell anything. <laughs>